0: I'm still kind of Googling around to define what it is. I'm glad that we figured out that 5150, that term, is a California based thing, because now I know what to Google to find out what these are in the different states. (sighs) So it looks like under in Washington state, It's under the civil commitment statute. So there's probably like different bylaws and stuff for each state, different laws for each state. Um, So under the civil commitment statute in Washington state, a police officer or a mental health professional can involuntarily detain a person for up to 72 hours to a locked unit of an evaluation and treatment facility And then a hospital has then 72 hours, not counting weekends and holidays, to decide whether to petition the court to involuntarily detain the person for the next 14 days, which I believe Uh, in California is 5250.
1: Yeah, that's what I was reading. 5250 is the extension to 14 days. So here, so in Colorado,
0: a registered nurse has to be the one to authorize. I'm, a, I'm assuming a doctor or a nurse practitioner, like a like a medical professional would have to determine that in Colorado. But here it can be a police officer, too, which is kind of scary.
1: Yeah, because they have no idea what they're doing. Police officers, even if they, if they even if they mean well as individuals, they're not trained to deal with mental health issues. And that's a big mm-hmm. part of the problem. Like, they just have no capacity to... And they don't... It's like bringing a... What do they say? Like, when you bring a knife to a Mm gunfight, it's like they're bringing guns to a mental health fight. (laughs) Like
0: They're bringing guns everywhere. Yeah, they're bringing
1: bringing guns everywhere.
0: (laughs) Exactly. I'm going to look up the involuntary commitment laws in Pennsylvania. Don't get any ideas, everybody. No, my God. Okay, so involuntary commitment in Pennsylvania... Is an application for emergency evaluation and treatment for persons who are a danger to themselves or others due to mental illness? So that's considered a 302 in Pennsylvania. A person applying for a 302 because they're concerned about another is referred to as the petitioner. So someone would have to petition for you to be held Danger to self shall be shown by establishing that within the previous 30 days, one of the following situations has applied. Uh, The person would be unable without the care, supervision, and assistance of others to satisfy his or her need for nourishment, personal or medical care, shelter, or self-protection or safety. And that death or serious physical debilitation would occur within 30 days unless treatment was provided. Uh, The person has attempted suicide or the person has made threats to commit suicide and committed acts in furtherance of the threats. Uh, The person has mutilated him or herself or the person has made threats to mutilate and has committed acts in furtherance of the threats. Uh, Danger to others shall be shown by establishing that within the previous 30 days, the person has inflicted or attempted to inflict serious bodily harm on another or has threatened serious bodily harm and has committed acts in furtherance of the threat to commit harm to another. Um, Because this commitment is involuntary, it may require the assistance of family, crisis professionals, police, ambulance, and any other person involved in the crisis. The petitioner must have firsthand knowledge of the dangerous
1: conduct. Well, so it can't just be any old body like yeah, I don't know you have to have actual evidence. You couldn't just say I'm paraphrasing but <laughs> but I think they vaguely said that they wouldn't no you have to have some actual showing that someone said something and then also acted on it. You have it sounds like you have to actually have
0: been involved directly with that person you're petitioning. So some random person on TikTok that lives in I don't know Colorado can't just call the police in Pennsylvania and say I saw something on social media and I'm worried about this person being in danger to themselves or others. That would, that does not count. They'd have to be actually involved with you.
1: With any kind of like, that was exactly how my university reacted to some of these calls. Just like, like they told me about it, but they were like, they didn't come with any evidence. Like actual institutions care about actual evidence. You would it doesn't. Mm -hmm. You can't just say something is true. You have to actually show that it's true. So when you can't do that, it seems like it wouldn't shouldn't work anyway. Who knows how it goes in practice? But so that sounds that's pretty salt. this is the best one I've seen, I think, <laughs> so far. Uh Pennsylvania has
0: it down. Uh you can only petition if you're directly involved in the incident or directly involved with the person you're petitioning. Um, Florida, still still at the bottom
1: of the list. Any old body can call. <laughs> On any old body. <laughs> yeah, that's not great. Especially oh. because I've heard I've heard terrible things about Florida hospitals and funding issues. Yeah. Fortunate.
0: Interesting, interesting. So, this episode, if you couldn't tell already, listeners, this is about weaponized welfare checks, which have been a theme with this whole Allie Starts a Cult situation for a while now. A terrible awful theme. Weaponizing police as if they're customer service for the Karens of the world, it's incredibly dangerous for disabled people and for BIPOC people to be the target of weaponized welfare checks because a lot of times ends catastrophically for us.
1: And this was absolutely a threat from very early on. And I'm glad you found this one screenshot because I had encountered it the other day going through some different footage and the way i wanted to be able to read the exact comment because i want to say this was back in was this back in january that this video was you're responding it was to right comment? before the aunt karen live so it was oh, like so mid-february February. um yeah and so i guess mid-february so somebody really i mean there's always kind of a whenever any of this language is getting batted around and the way that this all works where it where like any theme that comes up ends up getting kind of weaponized against us. In general, of course, the welfare checks. um, And I think we're going to talk about some several different cases where horrifyingly welfare checks were called and Black people died. So this is a very real danger in America now. But even more specifically, who is this? Daily Laura Lee (laughs) 2.0 commented, and there's this screenshot. And it's just very obviously a threat. It's just so clearly a threat. And I was, I'm glad that we found the exact comment instead of just saying, oh, you know, the welfare checks were weaponized. Because get a load of this comment. And I quote, sounds like Roxy needs a welfare check. Legit, she's sounding sicker and sicker every day. Concerns for her delusions. She could harm herself next. Why? Because you disagreed with Ali, especially at that point come on and of course it's what a white blonde lady in this picture here like really gross really a a canadian lady oh really
0: Uh, yeah (laughs) because um i had messaged jubilee i think Mm. or jubilee saw the tiktok that i made in response to this comment and jubilee called her out uh as a fellow canadian (laughs) so that lady yeah. yeah
1: But it's inappropriate, it's it's inappropriate in a racist way to overtly threaten welfare checks and weaponize welfare checks like this. Because you were not sounding sicker and sicker in your delusions. You literally just said, I disagree with Ali.
0: Yeah, there was nothing delusional about my content at any point. And I think all I was really posting pretty much the whole time after my series of calling Allie out was educational series. Like I wasn't really posting anything personal because I was getting so much hate at the time from Allie's goons. Yeah. Um. So the talk about me being delusional, me being in psychosis, me being psychotic, me being sociopathic, that was all talk going on on Allie's side of TikTok on Allie's live streams, on Allie's page, and it wasn't really based on anything that I was posting. I think I did post a story where, I mean, I was pretty emotionally exhausted with all the hate that I was getting. Everyone that was a target of Allie at the time and still is, is very exhausted with it all. And... I talked about my, my my page, my TikTok page at the time. It was very open about my autism and my CPTSD and my mental health stuff, and yeah, I did mention that I was very emotionally exhausted and it was a lot. It was a lot to deal with, yeah. and that just got twisted and perverted into this. Ooh, let's call the police on Roxy because she's so delusional, she's going to harm someone. I I never, I never, ever said anything about harming myself or Ooh. others at all. And I, I live with family. I don't live alone. That's another thing that's happening here. Like everyone that's getting these welfare checks called on them. Everyone h- lives with their family. <laughs> Jubilee got a wellness check called on her. She does not live alone. I do not live alone. Ali doesn't live alone. And ugh, I don't know. I have my thoughts on the whole welfare check thing on Ali um i think we mentioned it like a couple times in a oh, couple different episodes yeah but I, again i have to say like she's very well taken care of she lives with her two loving parents that clearly are not neglecting her and, and it's just i don't i don't believe that police are the people to call when someone's having a mental health crisis and i don't think random people on the internet are the ones to make that call either
1: yeah, I think you're right. I uh I think that I was like I did call, that's what the story is, that's what happened. Uh and I don't feel bad about it because of the information I had at the time. If I had the information I have now, I probably would not have made the same choice, but that doesn't mean I regret the choice I made because it was based off the information I had. Um I have for this episode googled around and was trying to find like alternatives to police and I found a great and aptly named source. It's a website called don't call the police, <laughs> don't call And I, I kind of wish I knew about it at the time I was sort of operating in a high fear state and, and really like, again, like a CPTSD state the whole time it had been months of just like uh, being very frayed by anxiety and fear and whatever, and not. I don't even know fear, but yeah, just constant urgency about the situation. So, with some space and being able to think a little bit, I might have googled around and found this resource and found some sort of alternative. Don't call the police. dot com is a database of vetted resources that can be used as alternatives to calling the police or nine one one. But the cool thing about it is it's broken down by city, and they provide information about. Resources for housing, mental health, domestic violence, sexual assault, uh, LGBTQ, youth, elders, crime and substance use. So there's all kinds of resources listed that uh, that are focused on like emergency or crisis services in those areas and can be better alternatives than calling the police unless something is like a very, very urgent. I do think if it's like a super emergency and someone's in immediate danger. And I, and I was led to believe, or I did think my impression was based on the original video that she had ingested something and it might be like an urgent situation like that. Like a need to to pump a stomach or something. I don't really know. I don't really think that that's, I don't know what I want to say.
0: I um, I believe that the information you were told was just a manipulation because there was no way for anyone to know what she had taken or not taken.
1: No, but it was the way that it was the way that she was talking in the video. I mean, my mm-hmm. first first impression was not that it was like I wouldn't have called. But again, there was a sense of urgency. Yeah. And I do well, think you cared. I do care. I think it's actually total bullshit the people that postured like they were the only ones who had anything to do with it because they cared. And like none of the rest of us did, those people never talked to me. Those people never actually checked to know if that was true. And of course I care deeply uh, and Mm -hmm. would not want Allie to die. That's everyone says that constantly and it remains true. So that was the, that was the motivation behind the choice and I agree, knowing the information I know now, what I what I would do instead or would do next time is I like this website because it provides some alternative options for what you could do in a case in a situation like that. And it still it still says that police are appropriate to call when there is an emergency. Uh, in some cases, if you feel safe to, although not everybody does. Mm-hmm. But again, what I like about this is it's ba- it's broken down by city.
2: Are you tired of feeling unsafe online? Do you want to learn how to protect yourself from cyberbullying, doxing, and other forms of online harassment? Then look no further than Doxed the Podcast. Visit the website doxedthepodcast.com to sign up for the Doxed Free ebook full of helpful tips and resources for online safety. Plus, when you sign up, you'll receive the weekly newsletter with the latest updates on upcoming content. There are many ways to connect with Doxed, including Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Discord. Have a story to share or feedback to give? Use the contact form on the site to reach out or leave a voice message to be featured on the show. And for exclusive content, subscribe to the Doxed Supercast to gain access to the private podcast feed with member-only exclusives. Take control of your online safety and join the Doxed community today.
1: And both of our cities are on there, but a lot of cities across the country. So you can actually connect with local resources and people. And I think that's, I think that would be a better alternative if I was ever going to face anything like that again, a choice like that again. I found um
0: something called the Crisis Assistance Helping Out on the Streets program. Um, the acronym for it is CAHOOTS, which is kind of cute. It is cute. And it started it started in Portland or in Eugene, Oregon, and it looks like they um they serve Portland, Oregon, uh, Denver, Colorado, and Olympia, Washington. And it's an alternative to calling the police for like mental health crises, um, and it's it's important to acknowledge the fact that there is a desperate need for police reform when it comes to welfare check procedures because they're they're just not trained in these kinds of like sensitive situations. So cahoots is run by mental health professionals and social workers, and it's just it just seems like a more appropriate response to a mental health crisis versus someone showing up with guns and tasers and I don't know, it just, it just seems like it makes more sense. Of course, if there's immediate danger and it's like a safety issue, then of course, if you feel safe, call the police, but it's nice to know that there's an alternative for someone that actually needs care. Police don't provide care, a welfare check, calling the police for welfare check. I feel like that's something you do if you have an upstairs neighbor and you haven't heard them leave their apartment in three months and you smell something. Like, yeah, call the cops. Something's probably not okay. Um, Especially if you... Okay, this is kind of a dark story. This is gonna take a dark turn. It's just a dark episode.
1: It's gonna be a dark episode. I used to play a few dark things. Yeah,
0: I used to work in real estate and I was a property manager for a while, right out of college. And I was like, a, it was a regional property manager. It was 2009 when the credit crisis had happened and people were losing their jobs left and right. People were being foreclosed on. And it definitely hit the apartment industry and people were being evicted. There was no moratorium on eviction. So it was, it was a really bad time for the economy. So I was overseeing like four different apartment communities all around Seattle And two of the properties were kind of like lower end, lower income. And uh, people were abandoning their units in the middle of the night because they were about to be evicted. People were losing their jobs, couldn't pay their rent. And there was one unit in particular where we were getting calls from the surrounding units about this one particular unit. And I left notices on the door over several days. I'd knocked. I'd called no response. All the notices that I stuck on the door stayed on the front door. And you can't just enter someone's apartment. Like even as a property manager, you have to get their permission, but there was no response for seven days straight. So me and the maintenance manager went to enter the home and we knew that this person had pets. We didn't know how many, but they definitely had A German Shepherd registered in their lease when they first moved in. But it sounded like there were several pets in there. So we enter the unit. There's no electricity. So it was pitch black in there. The the windows were all draped. So it was very dark. You walk in, open the door. There's no carpet. No padding. Just plywood floorboard. The cabinets, like you walk in and there's like a half wall kitchen counter, like bar kind of thing where you see into the kitchen and the drywall under the bar was gone. It was just studs and countertop. Uh, most of the drywall from like the waist down, waist level down, was all gone. There was some furniture. It looked like a T-Rex came in and like ate <laughs> half of the couch and there was Five dogs, a German Shepherd, two pit bulls, another big breed dog. All very sweet, completely emaciated. The smell of dog urine and feces just smacked you in the face. It was summertime, so it was warm and muggy. The windows had been closed for God knows how long those animals had been in there. And they, they basically ate the apartment. Like mm. they ate the carpeting. They ate the padding. And we just, me and the maintenance guy just looked at each other just like stunned because one, the cost of repairing, not just that unit, but the unit below because all the urine mm. from God knows how long had dripped into the unit below. So we had to go in there and see the damage to the ceiling because it was covered in urine. And I'm just like, my heart's pounding so I'm like, oh my God. We're gonna find a body there's mm-hmm. gonna be a dead body in here oh my, i'm like starting to have a panic attack he's a scaredy cat too he's scared of the dogs <laughs> so i'm like you have to come into this apartment with me so then luckily the dogs were really friendly but i had to walk in search the rooms i'm like oh my god there's gonna be a body in here and luckily no one was in there oh thank god they just they abandoned the dogs in the apartment but like oh that's horrible that kind of situation the surrounding units called the called me first the property manager before calling police but that's the kind of situation where you'd call for a welfare check i have an upstairs neighbor Mm, i haven't really heard them in a while i know they have pets there's something weird dripping on my ceiling that's when
1: you call cops yeah i feel so sad for those dogs yeah it was bad
0: Hmm. but it was just it was just that time Horrible time in millennial history, like we've lived through so much trauma. But the credit crisis people were losing their jobs, a- abandoning their homes, and a lot of pets got abandoned too. A lot because it everything costs
1: money, and when you can't pay your rent, you can't feed yourself, you can't feed your pets. I agree with you, though. That would be a time where it might be appropriate to call police, yeah, <sighs> yeah. I'm trying to think about about the situation. Because I think think that it's also appropriate to call police when, again, if you feel like, I, I think there's a big caveat if you feel safe, too. If you feel like both parties will be safe. There is something in the back of my head about don't ever call police for some kind of wellness check on a Black person, on a BIPOC person. I don't think I would have if Valley had not been a white woman. (laughs) I think there's a lot less of a a feeling like there's any possible danger there um, if the police do show up to her house. And I mean, an unintended consequence would be now it's a theme that puts everybody around the situation in danger. And really just in general, this is a whole problem of many white women (laughs) and you and a few other people that are that are in extra danger because of all of our bullshit. And so that would be one reason to think again, if that situation came up in the future on my end. But as far as just the idea of like sending police, like, I don't think that police are nearly as much of a danger to a white woman. I don't. So it feels like it feels like more of a chance to help. But also, I just can't really regret anything because I just think it was all based on the information that I had at the time. So it is what it is.
0: I don't think there's anything to regret there. You acted in good faith. I think I was pretty strategically left out of that conversation, which was for the best because I wouldn't have called anyway, not because I didn't care. I don't know. After seeing the video, I was like i I didn't get this fear that something was terribly wrong, so maybe I didn't care. Not that I don't care about her life, but
1: that didn't seem like a dire situation to me. Yeah. Well, that was, again, that was my first impression. And then I was actually the person that kind of then had me feeling like my first impression was wrong was also shit talking me behind my back and telling other people I was like self-centered for having that as a first impression of this is not whatever, like this, (laughs) this does not strike me as very urgent, but then I was, it was framed differently. And then I understood why the person would think it was urgent. And then I was, you know, then I came to agree with them. And then that's what happened. So,
0: and that's why I say it's it was strategic because you had the same gut reaction that I had. And had I been a part of that conversation, I think you and I would have been like, "Yeah, no." (laughs)
2: Well, I did. Would have had had someone kind of back
0: you
1: up with your gut
0: reaction
1: i did have that gut reaction but i will also say i know myself to be somebody who i i tend to be very distant from my own emotions about things as they're going on as a coping mechanism so i know this about myself that a lot of times when i'm in an action do or die kind of situation i will literally put my emotions on a shelf here they go in a little box and then i will take them back out and feel them and deal with them after the danger has passed. So I don't always trust my first gut instinct. If it is like, Oh, I have no emotion for this. I feel cold about this because I've known myself in the past to think that was what was happening. But then once it's safe, I'm like, Oh, actually I did feel like there was something horrible, but I just, you know, so I was so in, because of my own, that's like a trauma thing that I know that I do so mm-hmm. out of the level of like, maybe hopefully self-awareness, I'm well, I'm interested in listening to like outside perspectives. So yeah. because it was just a very high, high urgency feeling situation, that was, that was how I felt like, oh, I should just, I should listen to the group because I might not have the best barometer because I know that my barometer for uh, how to react to something like that might be might be offset just because of my own trauma. So I think that was my thinking about it. I mean, maybe it would have turned the tide if you were in the thing, but I'm also glad you weren't because it also just points out the hypocrisy of the whole reaction to it where it's like nobody could have won no matter what we did because it wasn't like everybody acted in one group. And I felt like I knew that. Like I had
0: multiple gut feelings when it was shared with me what had happened in the call that was made and I I kind of breathed a sigh of relief like oh thank god I wasn't a part of that conversation but I also had this fear that I would be lumped into the group and because I knew that that call wouldn't be taken as an act of care or concern for Allie it would be twisted and weaponized and perverted into something that it wasn't and I felt like god if I'm a part of this it was only like two weeks ago I made this big stink about someone wanting to call a welfare check on me and I was so worried that I would be blamed for the one making the call because I had been the scapegoat for everything that was pissing off Allie at the time and I was worried that she would retaliate by calling the police on me but what has been so interesting this whole time is that That's the only thing my name has been left out of, which I'm thankful for, but it's just like these people are capable of being honest. These people are capable (laughs) of telling the truth and getting the story straight because they could have the people that um, are really high level manipulating this whole thing could have absolutely thrown me under the bus for the whole welfare check thing. They've scapegoated me for everything the whole time and I'm still to this day shocked that that welfare check call was not pinned on me. I'm st- my mouth is my jaws on the floor still. Like oh you guys are capable of being honest and like not weaponizing things and not scapegoating people. You're just selective about it.
1: Well, I think it is because at least some people are trying or think of this as a game but don't necessarily want it to. Like they want us all to feel like it's the it's world ending stuff every day, but they don't actually want to have one of us die or something. And I think if that happened and it escalated into like real, real world stuff, people don't that's not really the game people want to be playing. That's like too much to deal with. And so I think they're trying to contain it to stuff that is going to feel like it's world ending, but that isn't necessarily and that's part of what I bet that is. I think people get scared when it gets too far into the real world for real, you know. And that is mm-hmm. one of those things it could really spin out. Like, it is probably one of the most dangerous things about this that somebody could like weaponize the cops against you specifically. Me and I specifically, people, yeah, and, yeah. And I think people know that. I think people all around the situation are aware that it is very uncool. Which is which is part of why I I think this whole comment that we read at the beginning from what's her name from from daily laura lee 2.0 is a threat and it's like you can tell it's a you can read overtly that it's a threat Mm -hmm. because this is known to be dangerous for you specifically so i think everybody yeah i think everybody even the trolls have been kind of aware that that's a different level than like sending the cops after Allie. yeah cops aren't going to kill Allie. That's just not, it's just a different situation.
0: Yeah, I mean, if you consider her bragging and gloating about how many times she's had run-ins with the police and survived it every time, like, clearly she'd be all right. I might not survive a traffic stop. I might not survive a taillight out. You might not like, survive sleeping
1: in your bed one night. Jesus Christ.
0: Yeah. yeah. And that's what really upset me and really broke my heart the most um, on that Aunt Karen live to see a black woman that i had followed and admired and didn't even know that she was had any awareness of me get on that aunt karen live be the first one to speak who had nothing to do with anything and say that i was weaponizing my black my blackness oh just look at her page see she's weaponizing her blackness and luckily aunt karen just kind of like shrugged her off and was like you don't seem to be a part of anything but that was the next day that was the day after that comment was made about i needed a welfare check sent Mm. to me it's like how how, as a black person did you not connect the dots that this dog whistle could get me killed like what the fuck is wrong with you
1: yeah that was all around that time yeah it was the next day yeah so it has to be on people's minds when they're whether whatever they're choosing to say about it that has to be on people's minds at that time so i can't imagine either especially when you come with just no evidence like it's one thing to even i think to call out of concern or something or try to say something out of concern those people were not concerned for you they're not concerned going on aunt karen trying to shame you and guilt you and make you feel gaslit that's not concern that's just and
0: truth was another one truthy sleuthy She was another one on the Aunt Karen Live that had mentioned something about my mental health and that she was concerned for me. And that's why that comment was made. Clearly, it was a discussion on Allie's side of things or even truth to know about my mental health or my perceived mental health at the time. And to hear her say, well, we were concerned for you and like you had alluded to, you know, you weren't okay like no one's okay being the target of Allie and what really kills me about truth saying that is that she was behind the stop the lies account that had made multiple videos about me saying that I was
1: psychotic and sociopathic yeah that's ugly and I do remember that it was and it's always like oh I'm just you know I'm just vaguely recalling what was said and you can't point to anything there was never anything you said that was that would back that with back that being said. So that's extremely irresponsible. And it's irresponsible in a racist way. That's what it is. You know, when Jubilee says Hags Cures is racist, it's because it's not because of sl- racial slurs. It's because these are huge power imbalances that are obvious to anyone that understands racial dynamics. And you're putting people in danger. And truth did it too. And like, do do you care? It's a scary feeling
0: to know that all of these white people involved that have decided to hate me based on whatever Ali's saying, based on things that people are making up, not based on who I am or what I say or how I act or what I do, but I'm at the mercy of all these white strangers who want nothing good for me. And they know that. They know all it takes is them picking up the phone. Allie knows all it takes is doxing me, making sure all these people know my full ass name and where I live. Which she has. And it's just a matter of picking up the phone and calling my local cops and just seeing where the chips fall. They know that. I don't think all these white people involved can grasp how terribly scary that is i live with my only family i live with my only family member that i'm in contact with at all and th- that's not the this shit isn't just deadly for me it's not just deadly for me and these bitches know that like the gravity of this playing these games with cops knowing that Y'all can call police on each other all day long and it's not going to end up, you know, with anyone getting a bullet between the eyes. But for me, everyone knows it's different for me. yeah. And my mom.
1: That's terrifying. Yeah. And it's been a threat the whole time. And it's been, I think that comment shows how much it's, people are aware that it's a threat, that it's a usable threat. Like just the way that was worded, And the context and the wildness of the definition of who's in psychosis being who's friends, who's not friends with Allie. Very dangerous definition. If as soon as you disagree with her, an entire audience of hundreds of people is saying that equals you're delusional. That's dangerous. And there really is nothing deeper than that to who they were calling delusional or the reason they were calling you delusional. And that's why I put in my bio after that whole welfare check thing. I put in the bio of
0: my TikTok: If anything happens to me, Allison Priestley is who you need to call.
1: <laughs> oh my gosh! So that's why she said about um about <coughs> she said she soon after had a different video where she was like, "If anything happens to me, it was." <coughs> uh, I also am kind of laughing. I don't want to go into these all these millions of YouTube videos she's now doing in place of like Instagram stories or whatever. But I can kind of tell that she's listening to the podcast because she swears up and down she's not, but then she uses a lot of the same language we've used in recent episodes. So really? Yeah. (laughs) Like, and it's that same thing of like, oh, you heard a word and now it got flipped around back on its head. You know, like it's just coming up because we said some sort of term, turn a phrase or something and I'm capturing them in there and I just don't even... I just watched a few of like Jubilee's commentary ones because (laughs) because I just uh, it gives me a headache otherwise. But um, but yeah, absolutely. So anyway, I don't want to talk too much about them because it's just like it's just incessant, like it's obsessive, harassing, stalking, incessant levels of content. And I did want to say the one thing I wanted to say about them is that she made one comment about how it was creepy that somebody had a drive folder with like 600 videos on there and it wasn't, and she was, she was framing it. Like it was like 600 videos that that person made about her. No, it was literally just 600 clips. And like, it, it was like 600 clips of her being abusive to other people that someone then collected onto a drive folder. And now she's thinking it's creepy that someone had 600 plus videos don't make 600 plus videos abusing people then. That's an that's an easy answer to that problem. So, I do want to That's that's the that. creepy thing. That that's she the was the obsessive thing. one. And by the way,
0: 600, that's a fraction. That's yeah, a that fraction. Wasn't even, of what she published. That's not
1: even anything compared to like the actual output. Like at this point people aren't even like recording the Instagram lives every there's hours and hours and hours of this content and it looks like it's going up on YouTube too. Not, you know, not a lot of effort toward editing, which is an interesting, it's almost like a mirroring of what Jubilee's been doing. But anyway, it's it's so
0: crazy. This is just a fraction. This is just a snippet. Six hundred TikTok videos of her talking about how obsessed we are with her. Sit with that for a second.
1: And also just like everything else under the sun, all the extortion stuff all the all the gang stalking stuff she's calling people and recording without their consent and like doxing people doxing like 15 16 18 different people in different incidents from day to day hours and hours i mean it is really it's weird if you're not living through this probably i think the secret is in the sheer volume and the the sheer pace of the slander (laughs) and the lies and uh, that's that's the part that it's obsessive it's harassing it's abusive because it's endless and everybody's if everybody's going to be like if anybody's going to say anything about how much content Jubilee has on her channel she very literally only has as much content as it takes to just respond in like a one-to-one response to whatever Allie's putting out, minus mm-hmm. like Jubilee goes about the rest of her day. So yeah. it's not even all of the stuff. So if anyone is creeped out by the level of content on Jubilee's page, that's like two-thirds of the content Ali's putting out, which is I would say 98% of Allie's content is about abusing other people. So mm-hmm. so what a hypocrisy to think any anything of a drive folder of a bit of Ali's nonsense is creepy. Of course, people are going to record it when you're doing illegal things. That... D- th- yeah. <laughs> Besides, I thought she was so proud of all of her work.
0: All of her work on TikTok. Well, now it's immortalized in a Google Drive.
1: Well, yeah, she was all sad she <laughs> lost all of her work, so... Oh, well, we've got it. we <laughs> got the hookup. But yeah, oh, I, I mean, yeah. So that's that's really all, because it's just that... It's not even worth going into the the weeds of the more recent stuff on YouTube, except just to say that that was ridiculous. All of that is ridiculous. And she, you know, whatever. I can't, can't even begin. It's just like a, a huge headache. Like she had some kind of video about like the title was like Docs the Podcast Exposed and it's like nothing was exposed. And then she had another one where she was like clearing up the rumor about major rumor. There was no rumor that she cleared up like <laughs> She literally just been like copying Jubilee's um titles.
0: (laughs) I mean, how can you
1: clear up a rumor if you're not actually listening to what we talk about?
0: Like, uh...
1: yeah, it's it that's why it's not worth getting in the weeds because it's just two different conversations. Like, I would rather have this educational, interesting conversation about what a weaponization of welfare checks actually is and like what the experience of getting 5150 is like. Mm -hmm. And what uh, it actually means. Yeah. And the danger you put people in when you play these fucking games with the cops like this. Yeah. I think that's way more important than more badly edited nonsense on YouTube. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so maybe we can, Maybe we can get back to these notes because it would be really good to highlight some of these names that you pulled up of shooting deaths due to police welfare checks because i think yeah i found a
0: handful of stories that i feel are are really impactful to talk about Uh, we don't have to go into like great detail of each person but they're all black people shocker all black people that have died due to weaponized police welfare checks because i think there's a There's a common theme of police all over the country approaching welfare checks on white people much differently than approaching welfare checks on black people. Before they even lock eyes on a person of color, they're approaching the situation with just a completely different mindset than approaching a white person. And it has ended in the death of a lot of black people. I also meant to find stories of. Just autistic people Mm. being victims of weaponized welfare checks, too. Um, And I know they're out there. I just need to dig. But the first on the list is um, Kenneth Chamberlain. He was a 68-year-old Marine that was fatally shot by police in his home in New York. Um, Police were conducting a welfare check on him because his... um, like life alert device who's an older man, he had a life alert. It was accidentally triggered. Yeah. And he told the police officers he did not need help. He asked them to leave. Um, I'm sure as an older man living alone, like I'm sure it was agitating to have police show up and disrupt your day like that nothing was going on it was just device that was accidentally triggered he didn't need help with anything he asked them to leave and instead of leaving they escalated the situation and then broke down his door tased him and shot him multiple
2: times thank you for listening Find additional content at doxedthepodcast.com.